Lead to Win is brought to you by Leaderbox, a monthly reading experience curated by leaders for leaders. Learn more at leaderbox.com. Listeners of this podcast know that I'm a huge fan of technology. I've been an early adopter of nearly every productivity device, and I'm constantly on the lookout for new apps, new gadgets that can make me and you more productive. Well, in this podcast, I'm excited to share one of my favorite technologies. Using this device will save you tons of time. It'll also improve your concentration, help you think more carefully, and reinforce your commitment to your most important tasks. Plus, it'll aid your memory. It's such a marvel of productivity that I'd be surprised if it didn't take the tech world by storm. That said, this revolutionary technology is incredibly disruptive. Like most inventions, it has already displaced a host of other technologies, even entire industries. But by now, most of us are used to creative disruption. We've seen it before with computers and smartphones, and self-driving cars are now on the horizon. I think it's fair to warn you that this breakthrough invention has been highly, highly controversial. The technology that I'm about to share has been labeled a clear sign of societal degeneration. But that's a criticism we've often heard of new tech. The same charge was made about television, and then the internet. And I think it's best to judge the technology on its own merits, not on the way people misuse it. Now, I know that listeners depend on me to screen technology for them, and I take that seriously. If you tend to be a middle or late adopter of new tech, this podcast is for you. I've tried this device thoroughly, and I've tested it in every context, from office productivity to self-management and even communications. I promise it'll perform way above expectations, and I'm ready to give it an enthusiastic thumbs up. So what is this groundbreaking, controversial technology that has disrupted an entire economy and permanently changed the way we do things? Dad, are you talking about paper? It's paper. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the benefits of using the surprisingly up-to-date technology called, yes, paper. We all want to be more productive, but we're drowning in a sea of productivity apps and hacks. We'll show you why every leader should readopt the tried and true technology of paper. By using paper in some situations, you can avoid wasting time and money on solutions that don't work and focus on your most important goals. Coming up on today's program, we'll explain the five benefits of writing with pen and paper. We'll also hear from author Mark Kurlansky on the history of paper, and we'll have a visit from David Sachs, author of The Revenge of Analog, to talk about why people love non-digital solutions. All right, so Dad, I have to be honest. When I saw that we were going to do this episode, it surprised me a little bit because you are like (laughs) the technology guy. I mean, you're all about the apps, all about the devices. In fact, today I forgot my iPad at home and you had like four lined up, charged, ready to go. And you said, you know, pick one in the back. It's the best one. I don't even have one. I don't even know where it is, you know. So this is kind of out of left field a little bit. So why are we talking about this today? Well, because I've recently rediscovered the value of pen and paper. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I was getting sucked down this rabbit hole 
of digital devices where I was in a blizzard of notifications, distractions, mm-hmm. things that were keeping me from getting my work done. And I realized there's got to be a better way. I'm not ready to, you know, become Amish and, you know, swear off electronic devices. But I think not you've yet. got <laughs> not yet. But I think you've got to you've got to um have sort of an intelligent approach to this. And the truth is paper is the best possible technology for some things. Not everything. I still use my electronic devices as you mentioned and kind of made fun of me uh, <laughs> that I have all these, you know, iPads and stuff and I'm looking across the room at three monitors on my stand-up desk. So yeah, I love my technology, but paper has its place and that's what we want to talk about. So why do you say paper is a technology? I think that's probably surprising to a lot of our listeners. Well, it is a technology. Webster's Dictionary says technology is, quote, the science of the application of knowledge to practical purposes for applied science. So that applies to paper as well as smartphones. Paper is a technology. And when it started, it was revolutionary. But rather than me give you all the background, let's listen to Mark Kurlansky. He's the author of Paper, Paging Through History. He'll give us his perspective. Paper is a uh, technology, and it shows that technologies are adapted as needed. A lot of people have this idea that technologies are just adapted for the fun of it, and then they change society. But actually, as society changes, it calls up technologies to service those changes. Papermaking was adapted when there was a demand for a better uh, material to produce more of the written word. Uh, There were many things that went before it, uh, bark and bamboo and um, papyrus. None of these things are paper. Paper is an organic material with a fiber called cellulose, which is ground down, mixed with about 2% solution with water, poured over a screen, and it randomly weaves. Uh, Randomly woven fiber is the definition of paper. And then it's just peeled off the screen. Rather interesting uh, idea that uh, we don't know exactly how it develops, but it works extremely well. And it still works well, and paper is not disappearing. Uh, Another myth about technology is that new technologies always replace old technologies, but quite often they just uh, create an alternative, the way you can now have television or radio that you can can download, you can have CDs, you can... uh, you can even have vinyl records, and the same thing with with uh, paper. You can have books. You can have ebooks. Uh, ebooks are not replacing uh, regular books; they're just creating an alternative. Offices seem to have a great fondness for paper. Uh, paper has many unique characteristics, one of which is it can't be hacked. So that is increasingly becoming interesting and. Uh, in, in uh, security issues like uh, creating uh, codes and things, uh, they're often done on paper now. Law offices still use a great deal of paper. When they used to talk about how uh, there would be a paperless office, they, they forgot to notice that, uh, that all these computers were all attached to printers. Paper will endure for the foreseeable future. Okay, so the reality is that existing tech is never fully displaced. I mean, think about it. The light bulb didn't make candles go away. Mm -hmm. Television didn't eliminate radio. Tom Hanks, I just read this this week, still writes on a typewriter. (laughs) Amazing. And we still use ancient tech every single day, like knives and forks and spoons, candles, leather belts, razors. 
The wheel? <laughs> the wheel. Maybe you've heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> so the paperless revolution never really happened. The average office worker uses 10,000 sheets a year. Amazing. That's hard to believe. It is, it is really hard to believe because I think we were told even 10 years ago, five years ago, that that would just be totally obsolete. And the truth is, it isn't. There's still some need for physical documentation. I mean, if you've ever been through any kind of government process, that's Definitely. not going to be paperless anytime soon. Yeah, here's another uh, stat that's interesting. Americans use more than 90 million tons of paper each year. Gosh. Average over 700 pounds per person. That's a lot of trees. That's, by the way, like a horse. Whoa. That's like about how much a horse weighs. Did you catch what I did there? Whoa. <laughs> Uh, Hashtag dad jokes. (laughs) Print book sales are rising. This is one of the most interesting things to me. Mm -hmm. Because when I was in the publishing industry, and I've been out of it now for about seven years, but I remember somebody on our board predicted that at least 50% of all book sales would be electronic within the next five years. And we kind of had a big debate on the board about this because I didn't think that was true. But uh, as it turned out, it got up to about 25% of all book sales. Then it started decreasing, and now it's leveled out at what? Maybe about 20% or so? Yeah. So it's it's more prevalent in certain kinds of genres like fiction. Sure. But the point is, paper didn't go away. There's something about holding an artifact, you know, a paper book in your hand that evidently, for most people, most people, is more pleasing than an electronic book. Right. Well, the truth is that sometimes older tech is the best option because new can be improved, but not always. I mean, sometimes there are unintended consequences to technology. And by sometimes, I mean, usually that take a pretty long time to weed out and eliminate if they're ever even eliminated in the first place. And if there's one thing we know about paper... You know, there's not really any downside other than, you know, the environmental costs that we have to be conscious of, certainly. And the fact that, you know, if you were actually trying to carry around that 700 pounds of paper at any one time, that'd be impossible. (laughs) Especially without a horse. That's right. (laughs) So why do you think that we get stuck on what's new and feel like what's new is always the best solution? I think there's this preoccupation with new as a value. In other words, something, something that's new has more value than something that's old. Now, this wasn't always the case in the history of the world, right? but it's definitely the case in more recent times. So if it's younger, it's better. If it's newer, it's better. And this is why, by the way, interestingly, why I don't even put the date prominently on the top of my blog posts. Huh. Because people discount it if it's too old. It could be totally relevant, evergreen content. Right. I always put the, the date at the bottom of the post for reference. But I don't want to predispose somebody at the top of the post by making them dismiss it sure. because it's older. That is a great point. Yeah. So just because it's new doesn't make it better. But uh, we've got to be aware of that cultural value. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, I have to share this quote with you that I love from Malcolm Gladwell that says, The visionary starts with a clean sheet of paper and reimagines the world. And today, you're going to help us reimagine the sheet of paper. Exactly. We're taking a step back. That's right. Right? And reimagining and valuing that sheet of paper. Yep. So let's get to the four benefits of writing on paper. Benefit number one is that it puts you in a less distracting environment. Part of the reason people can't focus, part of the reason why they're so distracted and can't get anything meaningful done is because they put themselves smack dab in the middle of this digital environment where there's all kinds of things 
vying for their attention. I'm not against digital. I use both. I have a hybrid system that I use, but a digital environment brings distractions. For example, 80% of us own mobile devices and 70% keep them within eye contact at work. The biggest offender? Messaging. Ugh. 75% of employees admit to wasting at least two hours per day on distractions. Man. Screen time is the distraction zone. Now, again, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but you got to be careful with it. When you want to work on something and be undistracted, sometimes paper is the best tool. Well, how often have you picked up your phone to go to your calendar app to check what your next appointment is and ended up disoriented on Facebook, not sure how you got there, not sure what you were looking for in the first place, and you're probably now late for your appointment. Totally. And I think we got to realize what's happening to us at a biochemical level. Mm -hmm. You know, because every time we jump out of focus, we get a little bit of a dopamine hit. That's a dopamine's a neurotransmitter that gives us a pleasurable feeling. Mm -hmm. And the more we get that feeling, the more addicted we get to it. So this is why people are constantly checking applications, checking notifications, and all of that. And it wars against us. Right. You have to almost literally hack your way through the distractions to maintain your focus. Right. And it takes an enormous amount of energy and attention to pull that off. I mean, it's like running a gauntlet. It reminds me of that, what was that show, like uh, American Ninja Warrior or something, you know, where they yeah, run yeah. those funny gauntlets. It's like, that's what you're trying to do every day to be productive. Got things swinging at you and trying to trip you and and all the rest. And it's it's just incredibly difficult. Well, that's, that's again, what the value of paper is, because paper doesn't come with all those distractions. Right. You can just do one singular thing. So, Dad, what are some tasks that require total focus? Well, I think certainly anything that requires a lot of deep thinking, mm -hmm. where you're trying to process something, come up with a creative solution, uh, some forms of writing, like journaling, reflection, long-range planning, even short-range daily planning, mm -hmm. uh, brainstorming, where you're trying to diagram something or come up with a framework to make sense of, of something. You know, Strength Finders calls that intellection. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good word for it. But anytime you're trying to create a framework or a model of understanding the world or a process, sometimes writing that on paper can be very helpful. Well, I think it's why many of us love to use whiteboards. It's not exactly paper, but it's it's very similar. Same concept. Yeah, same concept. Rather than taking notes or trying to sketch out ideas on our computer, you know, you try to do that on your computer and somehow it just doesn't translate. But if you can just have that tactile experience of writing on a whiteboard or a piece of paper and trying to show somebody something or show yourself something, it sort of figures itself out somehow magically. I don't know how that works. Yeah, totally. But it's true. Benefit number two. It helps you think more carefully. You know, the thing about writing longhand is that it slows you down. Mm -hmm. And in a world that values speed, like right. it values newness, there's value in just slowing down so you can reflect and think. When you slow down, you gain clarity. And clarity is one of the things that our clients tell us over and over again yep. that they seek the most. You know, when you get clarity, you can accelerate your results. But until you get clarity, it's like slogging through mud. Mm -hmm. So writing longhand helps slow you down. Speed is not always beneficial. You know, I've experienced in my own life just an exhaustion around speed. Sometimes it mm -hmm. feels like the need to consume and digest information and then have thoughts about it 
is just so demanding and there's such a requirement that it just seems to be faster and faster and faster. And it doesn't really lend itself to high quality thinking. There are certain kinds of thinking, for example, making decisions or reflection or creativity that really don't uh, match well with speed. You know, they they need some time to kind of work themselves out. And writing longhand is a great way to do that. It just, it helps you to um, have time to figure things out along the way. And the writing actually becomes part of the creative process instead of just a means to an end. Yeah, I had this experience just yesterday. You and Joel and I had that meeting where you're trying to come up with that delegation form. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And so once we hung up, then I decided to try to map that out on the computer. So I was using a a drawing program to do that. And after a while, I just went, no, I just, I got to stop. And so I grabbed a piece of paper and I started jotting the thing out on paper Mm -hmm. and it slowed me down. It was completely different experience. It changed the way uh, that my thinking was working. And by the way, writing by hand, fires the brain differently. There's been research done on this. There was a study by Virginia Berenger at the University of Wisconsin and showed that school children writing essays longhand generate more ideas than those writing on a computer. And here's why. The act of forming letters activates multiple regions of the brain. Amazing. I mean, it's not surprising, really. When you sit there and type, that's going to activate one part of your brain. But when you actually write, it's going to involve more senses, More, it takes more coordination. And it's going to light up different parts of the brain. It makes sense because it's multi-sensory and we know that that is directly related to how the brain functions. It's it's like we think that we're um, smarter now because we have these technologies. I was listening to a podcast the other day and the, the uh, guy on the podcast was talking about the narcissism of our time, you know, thinking we're late that we're late in human history. And therefore, you know, the things that we have discovered kind of eclipse all the things that have come before. And in fact, Mm -hmm. you know, there is intelligence in the human body. And for example, writing and forming letters that connects to the brain in a way that our digital technologies haven't been able to replicate. Well, it it kind of goes back to the thing again about, you know, newness is not necessarily good. Right. Speed is not necessarily good. It's like I, I quoted in a recent webinar I did is that there's a difference between being busy Mm-hmm. and being productive. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between fast and being effective. And wow. sometimes slowing ourselves down is the most effective, important thing we can do. It's like that, uh, quote, thoughts disentangle themselves passing over lips and through pencil tips. Yep. You know, not so much with typing. Right. I mean, I can type really fast, but that doesn't give me clarity. No. <laughs> you know, it's been said that leaders are readers And readers are leaders. And I believe that's true. And that's exactly why we created LeaderBox, our subscription-based reading program for leaders. It's a monthly curated reading experience designed by leaders. That's us. For leaders, that's you. We created it for leaders who want to pursue professional development, but don't know quite what to read or don't have a plan to read consistently. And recently, we've made some changes to LeaderBox and our customers are loving it. And the change that I'm the most excited about is the Enhanced Activation Guide. First of all, it has an easy-to-follow daily reading plan so that you can read through two books a month in just 30 minutes a day. It has a helpful summary of key points, thought-provoking questions, a call to action on learning discoveries, a list of additional resources, and lots of note-taking space. So if you want to maximize your time, grow your leadership, and accelerate your results, LeaderBox is your solution. Why not put your professional development on autopilot? 
You can get the details at leaderbox.com. Again, that's leaderbox.com. Check it out. So far, we see that writing on paper puts you in a less distracting environment and forces you to think more carefully. So let's move on to the third benefit. Yeah, benefit number three is that it reinforces your commitment. And one of the things where I really value writing on paper is with my goals and my tasks and my appointments. Mm -hmm. And this is why I use the full focus planner to structure my day, because it gives me the opportunity to do exactly that. So when I write down my goals or I'm writing down my daily tasks or my daily appointments, it reinforces my motivation. In other words, I, I get to think about that task again. I get to think about that appointment again. I mean, I use Google Calendar too, right? Mm -hmm. But for today's appointments, I'm going to take them from Google Calendar and I'm going to write, write it on the appointment section of the daily page. That gives me a chance to recommit to that appointment, to say, wait a second, I made this choice. I'm not a victim. This is something I had put on my calendar and this is something I'm committed to engage in. Mm -hmm. Same thing with my tasks. It gives me a chance to own them in a way that I don't when they just sort of, you know, they're there on the calendar or they're there on the task list. Right. It's almost like they're outside of yourself. Right. Right. Uh, we also do this in our activation workshops. We provide a workbook for our clients to go through during the day, a, a physical, you know, printed workbook, and there are worksheets that they complete. And very often there's some component of those exercises that they do that's intended to bring about a breakthrough of some kind. And there's something totally different about recording your breakthrough in your own handwriting that is very different than it would be if you were just in the notes app on your phone or taking, you know, notes Definitely. in Evernote or something like that, as much as we like that, we really feel like that writing reinforces the breakthroughs that people are having. Um, so we encourage them to use our notebook during those activation workshops when they're intentionally learning and growing and being coached rather than using their computers. Well, the funny thing about the last activation workshops we were doing, the Best Year Ever activation workshops, where we talk about goal achievement, is we had them write their goals out for the year several times during the course of the day. Right. And it would have been easy if we had provided a digital solution to just do it once and forget about it. Right. That wasn't the most efficient way to do it, for example. That's right. It wasn't efficient, but it was highly effective because yes. people like almost imprinted this yes. on their, their brain, you mm -hmm. know, on their heart. So they got the goals. And so it reinforced it and reinforced their commitment to those goals. So what do you think is the value, though, of hybrid solutions, for example, pairing analog with digital for calendar and task management? We get that question a lot. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you've got to use the right tool for the right job. And the great thing about a digital calendar is you can share it with people. You can make sure that everybody's in sync within the organization. Uh, things are easy to move around when things change. But again, I think it's also easy to get lost in that and not really see today for how you need to see it and be committed to it in the way that you need to be committed. And that's why for today's appointments, I go ahead and put them in my full focus planner. Mm -hmm. And by the way, once a quarter, I write all my commitments out for the uh, that entire quarter in the monthly calendar section. Kind of your big rocks, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, the big rocks. Because again, I just want to kind of reinforce to myself what's coming. And it's kind of like a map. I want to see the terrain before I traverse it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Okay. So writing reinforces commitment. That's the third benefit of using paper. Let's move on to number four. Yeah, the fourth benefit is that it aids memory. In other words, when you write it on paper, 
you're more likely to remember it. That is so true. It's so true. And in fact, I use this as a hack for things that I don't want to forget. Mm -hmm. You know, I could just record it in Evernote, but I will write it on paper in my full focus planner because I know I won't forget it. There's again, just that whole thing about imprinting it on my memory. And by the way, the science on this is pretty clear. There's a very um, well-known study by Pam Mueller and Daniel Oppenheimer. In fact, I was just reading about this again today. But university students who took longhand notes did much better on exams Mm. than those using a laptop. And the reason for that is that the laptop users simply recorded the lectures verbatim, in other words, like a transcript. But those who wrote longhand were forced to interact with the content, to kind of interpret it, and to write down what was memorable to them. So they processed it analytically rather than just merely recording it and not really thinking about it. Because you can take a transcript without thinking about it at all. Sure. You could probably be daydreaming and do it. Right. But when you're writing a longhand, you can't do that. You really have to be thinking and really concentrating to do it. So dad, in what context do you personally write to reinforce your memory? Okay, so meeting notes. I'm always taking meeting notes longhand because it gives me a chance to process it, to think what needs to be done, uh, to interact with it and stay engaged in the meeting. Now you're not taking like meeting minutes. You're no. you're taking notes about the things that are important to you. Things that are to important clear. to me or things that I want to follow up on or questions right. that I have or whatever it whatever it is. Right. Uh, when I attend a conference, I always take the meetings longhand. Now I may come home and scan those into Evernote, but I always take them at the conference mm-hmm. longhand. I like to do that by the way because I'm able to draw connections like little arrows or other things, you know, it just enables me to make connections that like visually are not possible within the confines of some kind of word processor. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So here's another one, shopping and to-do lists. So I have spent an inordinate amount of time trying to develop a workflow of how to get a task into Todoist or Nosby or whatever I'm using at the time or Evernote. And it's more work than it's worth. Right. You know, the the juice is not worth the squeeze. It takes forever to do it. And just to grab a notebook like the Full Focus Planner that I always have at my side and just to jot the thing down, then I'm done with it. I it's can forget so about it. It's so much easier. It's just too much work to try to use an electronic solution for that. Novelist Jack London wrote, cheap papers less perishable than gray matter and lead pencil markings endure longer than memory. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dad, you've covered the first four benefits of writing with paper, but I'd like to take the lead on the fifth one, and I've even brought some props. All right. Take it away. Okay. So, benefit number five is that it's satisfying. I mean, writing by hand is inherently humanizing. That's true. The electronic world is so sterile in so many ways. All the screens look the same. The keyboards are alike. There's no feel. There's no texture. Unless, of course, you count smooth glass as texture, which I personally do not. But paper reminds us that we're physical beings. Yes. It kind of returns us to ourselves in a way that is difficult to explain, but we all know is intuitively true. Um, There's something about the texture and tone of paper. It involves touch and sometimes even smell. And for me, it has kind of like a centering effect. It brings me back into the present. If I pull out a notepad or if I pull out my full focus planner or if I pull out a card that I'm going to write to someone, a physical card, there's something about um, that physical, again, multisensory experience that just brings me back to where I am right now, what I am doing, and it's focusing. Well, there's something about receiving a paper, a handwritten note. Yeah. 
you know, somebody can send you an email thank you and they send you a paper one and it's like 10 to 1 in terms of value. I mean, do you feel that way? Oh, my just gosh. Totally. Because writing is intensely personal. I mean, by the time you get a card from someone, they've made individual choices about the paper that they want to use, the type of pen that they want to use, or a pencil. I mean, just pencil or paper or pencil or pen is a very personal decision. Yes. And then you get into what kind of pen and what kind of pencil, you know, um, just like musicians have a favorite model of guitar or violin. Pens are personal devices. I mean, you have never met someone more passionate than a fountain pen user. Am I oh, right? And I'm not a fountain pen user, but that's like a religion. It's right? like a religion. And I, I'm i kind of like a fountain pen light user. I use the, hang on, I have to like pull out my visuals here. I have a little stack. I was prepared for this. You guys can't see this, but I have, I'm holding three pens. And my fountain pen of choice, which is kind of like the, the cheap and easy version, is the Pilot Varsity. Larry, who is one of our writers for the show, is cringing right now because he is an avid uh, fountain pen user. You're, and that's really not up to your standards, Larry. Sorry about that to disappoint you. but Your today, brother-in-law would be disappointed, too. Today I have Sean. the microphone, so it gets to be my pen. Um, <laughs> the other one I love is the Pentel Sign Pen. Okay? Like, I'm going to open this up for you. This is like the felt what? tip you know, like presidential signature kind of pen. I love how it feels to drag this across a good cotton finished paper. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know that feeling. It feels I, so I good. How could you be holding out on me? I'm your dad I, well, for all I, these know, years. I can't let you have all the secrets. Got to keep some things to okay, myself. Okay, what's the third one? Well, the third one is just sort of my everyday go-to, and that's the Pilot G207. I don't really know what the 07 means, but I only write in blue, occasionally purple, never black, Never red, never green, especially never green. Um, but I don't know. There's something about the blue. It's very personal. Well, I use the Pilot Friction Pen, which well, is I erasable ink. Yeah, I use that as well. That like will change your life because you get the advantage of ink, but you can erase it. So yes. if you make a mistake, you can still erase it, which is awesome. Now, yeah. I had to fair warning here. People have reported that if you leave them in a hot car, that the ink will disappear. But I've heard, though I've not tested, if you put it in a freezer, it will reappear again. <laughs> that sounds like a fun science project for the kids. <laughs> well, the the point here, I think, is that um, nothing expresses your personality like handwriting and the instruments that you choose. And there's a lot of meaning um, that are left by those we love in their written artifacts. I mean, think about letters, journals, mm -hmm. recipes from your grandparents or family members that have passed away. It's like having a little piece of them that's left with you. I mean, bottom line, it just feels good to write, and it's incredibly calming. It's just a, a pleasurable, calming activity. My name is David Sachs. I am a writer and journalist and the author of the book, The Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter. People like analog things because at the end of the day, we are analog creatures. We may work with computers. We may um, entertain ourselves with computers. We may communicate with all sorts of software or hardware, but we are physical beings in a physical world. And we respond to things we can hold and touch and control with our hands and our bodies in a much more visceral way than we do with something that's on a screen. And so that 
really very easily explains the appeal of something like a paper journal, like a, a moleskin journal or a notebook or a pad of paper or even a scrap of paper. We grown up being able to use and manipulate these things. If you put a crayon in front of a child and a piece of paper, they're going to start making marks on it. And that goes up to in later years when we're working, even if we have all the best technology at our disposal, sometimes um, in order to get that idea out, in order to work with it and process it in the way that works for us, uh, that physical interaction, whether it's paper, whether it's a whiteboard, um, or whether it is you know, a face-to-face conversation, is, is often what's the most efficient for us and the most instinctual. So today we've talked about five benefits of writing with paper, and we've learned why even high achievers should consider adopting this tried and true technology. And as we come in here for a landing, I just want to remind you that analog technologies are something are sometimes the best solutions to your productivity problem. Don't be afraid to use what works, even if it's not brand new. Dad, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would say that uh, paper is the new technology, in a sense. What's old has become new. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to give it a try. So test it. Use a hybrid system and see if you're not more productive, more focused, and it works for you. Great. As we close, I want to thank our sponsor, Leaderbox. It provides automated personal development in a box. Check it out at leaderbox.com. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, you can get the show notes and a full transcript online at lead2.win. Thanks again for joining us on Lead to Win. If you like the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about it. And also, please leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This program is copyrighted by Michael Hyatt and Company, all rights reserved. Our producer is Nick Jaworski. Our writers are Joe Miller and Lawrence Wilson. Our recording engineer is Mike Burns. Our production assistant is Alicia Curry. And our intern is Winston. We invite you to join us again for another episode next week when we'll share with you a beginner's guide to journaling. Until then, lead to win. <laughs>